Welcome to another episode of Real Life Fiction. I am Matt James with Conundrum Publishing, international best-selling author of the Jack Riley Adventures series. And today I'll be talking to author Tim Heath. Hey, Tim, great to have you on the show. How are you doing, my friend? Thank you. Yes, yeah, wonderful. Thank you for being here um, across time zones. I what's, yeah. what's, I just know, I just figured what's what's wonderful like looking at the map just above your head. Now, obviously, you have got the UK, which is where I'm from, but actually from Estonia, so it's like it's kind of a little bit further east. Yeah, right at the top of the map. Right? This, this yeah. is really hard considering it's backwards. I'm going ah. <laughs> yeah, so it's awesome. It's great to be here. So it's evening for me, but yep. um, uh, we live in a, a connected world. So this is what's. Absolutely. It's so funny you bring that up because literally the interview I did a few days ago, I talked with uh, um, a friend, uh, RF Blackstone Rich, and he lives outside of Sydney in Australia. And it was 8 a.m. my time and 10 p.m. his time. And we we talked until like after midnight between recording and then not recording and stuff. And I'm just like, so I'm like, if it seems a little funky, that's because I just woke up and he's now going to bed. So <laughs> it's not quite to the extreme right now. So I can still see the sun, you know, out where you are. I think it's like four-ish out there. I think the time is right now. It's five, uh, five here, nearly five. five. Oh, okay. All right. All right. When, when um, we hit the hour, it'll be five. I don't have a clock. I, I never wear a watch, but yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, no problem. No problem. So, uh, if the viewer does not know who Tim Heath is, what information can you give us to kind of clue you in on to who you are? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm certain the viewer probably doesn't yet know who I am. <laughs> I'm not that uh, full of myself. Um, yeah, you never know. No, I, I'm, I'm, so I'm Tim. Uh, my, yeah, wonderful, have a wonderful family. I, we originally from England, um, moved away uh, a long time ago, 2008, moved to Russia. And then in 2012, moved to Estonia, so oh, back cool. into Europe. Yeah, uh, so I've been here over 10 years. Um, and through that journey, so I think the transition from like office, full-time office job where I kind of wrote on the side to sort of just shuffling up life, reshuffling, uh, resetting and stuff, um, resetting rules and stuff, became a writer um, and, and became first published once we moved to Estonia. Um, so really that's kind of taken more and more precedent now, um, more time and able to go full time with that a few years ago as the books increased and stuff. But I'm, yeah, I, I into movies, into great stories. I think for me that the driving factor with the, I think really that first book I was writing, which I was writing around, you know, I think our first child was being born at that point, um, did a full time office job, preparing, thinking about moving to Russia and um and it was just you know kind of this movie playing out in my head this this idea this premise and, and I was just from that point I felt like okay this is something I want to write I want to I want to watch this one day I want to see it and really yeah. it's kind of how it started and, and mostly how it continues I've tweaked and refined and improved where I do things but it, mostly it's that kind of process of I want to write things that I really want to see and there was these stories going on that I kind of know if I can get it right, if I can get it, if I can get it as half as good as I'm, I'm seeing it in my head, others might enjoy it too. So that's really, yeah, my starting point. Oh yeah, especially, especially. Um, so you bring that up. I know um, 
So your series that I'm currently looking at the hunt, uh, St. Petersburg, Russia. So I'm assuming there was some influence from your time living abroad that uh, influenced that series. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think so. It, so I'd my my third book I'd penned, which is a book of lips, so standalone. So like my first four, I started with just a standalone book. Mm-hmm. You know, standalone book. That's I'm. You know, I, I love standalone. It doesn't seem to have ever affected his career. He's <laughs> a fantastic writer. Sure. And so I'd written this book called The Tablet. Um, based in St. Petersburg, um, telling, you know, kind of showing the the reader that kind of part of the world, um, but wrapped around like a a spy thriller kind of genre book, which is kind of mostly my mainstay. I have deviated quite a a little bit since. Um, And my first book actually touched potentially on sci-fi, but I was very clear to not call it sci-fi because... I didn't want it to be labeled as science fiction. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, but I've had to do that. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. So so the tablet was like kind of a, a bit of a surprise. It was like my quick, my, up to that point, you know, I think my first book took me seven years to write. So up to that point, I got the, I, I got the first draft for the tablet down in seven days and four hours. <laughs> so, okay. which is like, you know, by, by way the quickest. I mean, I've, I've kind of equaled that a couple of times, but um but just there was something about it, and and I mean I'm not I'm not it wasn't like a runaway success because I I didn't really know how to market, but in terms of the people that were reading it, were really enjoying it. So I kind of out of that, which is really what led to the Hunt series, was kind of it's there are some crossover characters, but it's 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 a new series. But basically, I, I knew there was more to tell and more to kind of show that part of the world because sure, not every, especially nowadays, oh, not yeah. every yeah. can travel to you know these places. Yeah. And no, I mean, that so. area is beautiful. I mean, that that's, yeah. there's, it's, it's sad because, um, so like the book I'm currently writing features a uh, fairly prominent in this book, uh, Russian character and mm-hmm. um, wholly on accident, just because the, the book takes place over in like Nepal and Tibet. And I'm like, well, where can I bring in some characters from that part of the world that aren't yeah. n- typically like just your, your, your Chinese, you know, that area. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'll bring in a former Russian, you know, intelligence officer and, uh, you know, now mercenary and, uh, not particularly on purpose because of anything happening globally right now, but the characters are still just so interesting. And, um, there's, uh, who was it? It was, uh, of course now I'm blanking because we're talking about so many things uh, another author did the, oh, uh, um, Ernest Dempsey is writing his next Dak Harper book and it take, it's called, uh, Moscow sky, I believe. Mm. And, uh, and he actually had questions from readers about setting a book and having it pertain to the, the, the Russian community. And he's just like, in this book, the conflict doesn't exist. And I'm like, he, he put it very simply. And then that's like in my books, like, like COVID doesn't exist in my Jack Riley series. Cause it, yeah. you don't have to include that current of an event, especially right. one that would kind of ruin the travel aspect of a lot of what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So it was actually kind of cool to, to kind of see like, well, he goes, it doesn't exist. So I don't care. Like in the right. series, it doesn't exist. And I'm like, Oh, that's actually a really great way of putting it. Um, 
So yeah. same idea. I mean, there's, I have no issue with somebody setting a book in Russia. I don't care. I, I think it's great. Cause I, I just, again, it's a beautiful area and uh, I would love to know more about it, you know, in the communities. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's, I mean, historically, whether like, you know, I don't know, going back generations, it was a different countries or different threats, or even, you know, it was the Soviet Union in, in the day, the Cold War in it. There's, mm-hmm. there's always this, you know, this angle to write, to write into, you need, you need a sort of villain and, a, and a, you know, some sort of kind of, you know, you need a threat to be, to be real. Obviously, so, you know, the whole series, it, it's being republished with Conundrum uh, mm-hmm. this year, which is fantastic, but um, we'd released five years ago, so obviously predates this latest yeah. invasion and so yeah. no you know I'm, I'm not doing it deliberately on the back of that this was an existing series and what i did for this existing series is it's just you know uh t- took you know yeah like dates i took the current president out so like made my own president you know so originally it had been written um we we're looking at you know what would it take to get putin from power that's kind of an underlying theme in the book of taking what i know of russian culture and and I yeah and and I'm not a bit like you know looking back to the Second World War and saying you know it, it would be wrong to say all Jew all Germans equals Nazis no the Nazi Party was at war and you know yep. and I'm yeah it, this is it, this war is a Kremlin war in Ukraine but the Russian people as large are just hostages to it <laughs> so it's oh, not yeah. like countries on board so I'm not like. And you know, I sit here this rhetoric a little bit, you know, all Russia equals all bad, you know, and it's like, well, that's kind of a bit like naive to say that. It's, oh, it absolutely it's is. Political, it absolutely Russia, is. political Kremlin Russia is behind yep. all this. So, and so obviously the book does touch on that. And it's, you know, knowing, you know, the region, knowing the people, knowing the language, I, I wanted to put together, you know, this kind of, you know, well, what would it take, you know, knowing, you know, how stronger leader is and and i guess the same rule would be you know on different different states around the world that are like kind of di- dictators you know kind of you know you, you, uh, off the cuff you would know like, okay well they've got to be obviously stronger more powerful more you know so how so i've i've, I've yeah. this whole series came to get together just to kind of tell that through a clever little story that grows each book I, what i love from the readers who've gone through it you know they it's it's one of those rare series i say humbly because i've read some great opening books and then you kind of go in a few and it's like oh you know they they don't quite and actually it is a series that grows and gets stronger so it starts well but each book improves which for me is always was always the goal and and it is great to kind of get to those key points where you know not to give spoilers but you know maybe there is a change and so therefore you know, if someone was good enough or powerful enough or wicked enough to become president, well, would we then want them? You know, it's these kind of yeah. like, like philosophical questions that I love raising in the series. And oh, sure. very exciting because, um, you know, that old phrase, you know, better the devil you know, you know, it's, it's this kind of thing, you know, if somebody, you know, and again, let's, we could pick another dictatorship, you know, if someone over was strong enough to overpower North Korea, then, you know, should we be more fearful of the person who could do that? Because you know, it's it's these these systems that have that that are based on control. Is if if a new controller comes yeah. into power, you know, it's, well, that's then, yeah. yeah, that's that was always the fear with um, like Afghanistan, and that was the fear with Iraq, and that was the fear with Cuba. It's like, okay, so you knock off their main guys, 
Well, their biggest zealot followers are just going to take over. Like, what are you mm -hmm. actually dropping into power? It's like, we knew Fidel Castro. Like, we know Putin. We know, like, we know them. We know what they're doing. We know who they are. Mm -hmm. If you knock them out, what are you introducing? Are you introducing uh, the exact same thing? Or are you introducing something potentially even more dangerous? So yeah, I mean, I, it's a possibility. Or are you introducing yeah. something better? So, I mean, yeah, there's... But, uh, but, uh, but also, in my series, it's 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 an internal displacement. So, again, sure. it, it's... it's yeah. which which is uh, so done in a very Russian way. You know, so it, it's interesting anyway, but that was- Very KGB, yeah, like James Bond kind of. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's, yeah. yeah, I've got British, you know, British MI5 in there. So again, there's some crossover characters who, who were in the tablet. They, they, okay. they, I'm into this series a little bit later as really to help, help. Um, but you got, it's like a, a wide cast of, you know, at times, you know, well, who, 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 who are we rooting for, you know, and obviously, as the various, uh, you know, and the, and the key Russians involved are, are oligarchs, so multi-billionaire, mm -hmm. hugely influential. Again, it's a phrase largely when I when the f series first wrote, and I, you know, it first published that not your average person would know what an oligarch is. I think with recent events. Particularly in Europe, with a lot of the sanctions on, like you know, famous Russian oligarchs in the UK, it, the, the awareness of who that is. So it's a it's a very limited term. So you know, a Russian yeah. who becomes wealthy now is just a millionaire. So it's 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 those people that came through the fall of the Soviet Union who who got control of key industries, most exclusively men basically, who were very rich and very powerful as a result of that coming into modern Russia. So that's kind of this. It's a very niche phrase. I, for me, my understanding of an oligarch now, you cannot become an oligarch now. Yeah, it was a it was a time limited phrase. Like, so you're just a billionaire now. <laughs> um, gotcha. Gotcha. Billionaire. So it's it's specific to more of the time frame. Specific. Yeah, time, time frame. frame. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I mean, I haven't researched yeah. that, so that's that's interesting to find yeah, out. So, yeah, cool. it's very specific for that, and and so it's it's very interesting to obviously write. I. I was very careful not to base it on any individual. So I looked through all the list and sort of made up my own collage of, you know, based on random names sure. that sound good uh, for the English reader um, and kind of what industries are in here. They, they obviously, they all touch the same industries because they're billionaires. And so I created my my own unique list, not based on any actual people who are alive because I don't want to go that route. <laughs> you don't want to... Oh, no. Yeah, I was... Very close to uh, to accidentally doing that in the Forgotten Fortune because it's all based on the uh, the the Third Reich and the fourth you know the eventual maybe rise of the Fourth Reich type you know it's like so I had to be very careful with names yeah. because yeah. there are family members because it's it, it's based on you know historical fact that of course we fictionalize to make it interesting. But uh, I had to be very careful with uh, names that I use because there are family members of these awful Nazi leaders that are still alive right. and do not at all believe in what their great grandfather would have done. So okay. you have to be very, very careful. Like it revolves a lot around Himmler and it revolves a lot, a lot around, you know, Hitler himself. And it's like there are descendants of these guys alive right now that don't want anything to do with him. So the the yeah. the, the worst thing you can do is include them in a story that taints them and then yeah. possibly get sued.
So yeah, we don't need to do that. <laughs> we did. Let's uh, stay away I mean, from that. Just fictionalize a character. <laughs> Russia doesn't particularly sue. They 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 act no. a bit more swiftly than that. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. Yeah, I live in a neighboring country, so no, no. I think I'm, but but for me, I think the whole thing. You know, I'm not like I'm not anti-Russians per se. I think no. you know we've got a lot of friends that we have missed, and you know, obviously really struggling in St. Petersburg um, because of this. They're they're affected as much as. Lots of people, you know. That, that oh, sure. You know, their their economy's crashing. They can't draw money out. They can't have job. You know, like so. So um, no, but um, yeah. Obviously, the political side and Kremlin side is is even for me. I was I've been shocked by by because they're not Putin's not acting like a Russian um, would because Ukraine is a brother, and yeah. so and family is very important in Russia. Yeah, really. and that's that's what is so great about you. See, to me, if you didn't set this story in Russia, you would, to me, that would be almost like a disservice because it's like, okay, we know there's like, so what, what is the similarity? Could you have dropped this story in Venezuela? Could you have dropped it in North Korea? Could you have dropped it somewhere else? Maybe, but your, your innate knowledge in, of the actual community is, is a great resource. And it's like, if you didn't write the story you know, dropping your character in St. Petersburg, then I would almost be like, man, he, he missed an opportunity, Yeah. you know? And that's why like a lot of my characters come from South Florida. Like that's like, that's where I've been my whole life. So mm -hmm. I have a lot of characters who were born and raised in South Florida. They went to the same high school together, you yeah. know, just cause that was the high school I went to and yeah. maybe they didn't know each other, but I just like, and they might be of different graduating classes, but at least there's like some commonality just because that's, that's something I wanted to throw in there from my, my personal mm -hmm. life. Writing um, what you know is important, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah, you don't have but, to it, it, <laughs> but it's also fun to include you. It's fun to yeah. include your yeah. something about you in the story, in the character's personality. In this case, in an area that you know quite a, a good deal about because you lived there. So it's like yeah. I, I I'm happy that it was set there because like it, it, knowing this about you now, knowing that you lived over there for what you say ten years. So lived in St. Petersburg for four and we've lived in Estonia for 10. Yeah, okay. So, so but in the general area, it's like, I would be like, man, he could have used that to his advantage in this. Cause he just knows so much more about the little, the little like B details that I can't yeah. look up on Google. Yeah. You know? No. So I, I think, yeah. So I've tried my best to do that. And I, I think that comes through and just trying to get that balance. And obviously, you know, some of my, you know, Russian oligarchs are real villains and, you know, and it's, you know, it comes out cleverly and, and how they, and just the, the sphere of influence and the, the, how, how far that connections go. Um, and as the you know, series went through, you know, so, you know, to, again, it came up five years ago. I, yeah. in, in a series in one of the later books um, that I think, Maybe it's the next one that Conundrum are publishing or the one after that. But actually, Russia turns off gas to Europe, which has now happened this month. <laughs> it's like, so it's like, I wrote it, you know, five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as, as, as a, it was, you know, it, it was, you know, weaponized, you know, so it was done on purpose to cause a chain of chain reaction, chain events sure. that, you know, gets Europe more reliant on nuclear power and, you know, and there's a threat through that. But it was like, you know, a lot of people, so a lot of the readers who are re even reading it now are rereading the series, like, they, they can't believe how kind of spot on it was. And and some things I was able to, like, think at the time, it just I was able to work in, there was some poison in, in Salisbury, UK, um, four or five years ago for, like, a, a, a former spy. 
Yeah. And I was able to work that into the series and with a little bit of a twist on and just it just felt, you know, it just fell in line. And so, oh, yeah. yeah, it was it was so, you know, a little bit of real world stuff linked in. But um, but it's I think the thing about books, you know, like any any genre, you know, we they're, they're their own little worlds, aren't they? So it's not a. Yeah. Unless it's a you know a, a non-fiction, a, a statement, a political statement, or you know you're 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 just presenting a, a different world. And oh yeah, yeah. so I, you know, COVID doesn't yeah like you say I um I, I think you came up with it you know COVID doesn't exist in in my um, book series because well <laughs> that would you know that would no. shut the world down and like we know yeah no, we all live through COVID so who wants to read about it <laughs> well. <laughs> you know, latest yeah. james bond and it doesn't move from london for three months you know it's like seriously who wants to, who wants to watch that james has to quarantine when he gets back for two weeks right exactly. in a hotel so it's like well, where does that go so i mean i exactly. get it you see i know um i know writers who have included it into stories just for the realism fact because it is it is something that exists and um i'm not saying they're like taking advantage but it it's it's a current event so yeah. Of the current events, this is probably the biggest global current event we've had in decades. So yeah, in um, modern history. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's like, yeah, I completely understand. You know, uh, yeah. Rick, who I was talking about, Rick Chesler, wrote a book called Deep Green, and it's about uh, like a modern day medicine man going into the jungles looking for a cure for the continuing mutations of COVID. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's great because it it spurred some creativity and it spurred a story that people can relate to yeah. and or the other side of the coin don't mention it because people haven't heard it enough so it's like suspend reality for the person that's what we're supposed to do right you know the yeah. the, the disbelief so yeah. it's like that's me that's my side of it i'm i'm sick to death of it so i don't want to ever mention it because I'm not the only person that doesn't want to hear about it anymore. You know, they, they just somebody that just wants to, you know, enjoy the the fictional worlds that we create instead of there's certain things, I guess there's just certain lines that I won't cross when it comes to like, like in this case, the global pandemic, I just don't mention yeah. it because I know for a fact, there's a ton of people that just don't want to have to read about it too. Yeah. And, it, and I think there's a third reason as well. This is something that, occurred to me as I've been going through the Hunt series, all, all nine books ready for Conundrum and, you know, the, the magic they're going to put to the covers and all the insides and stuff mm -hmm. was. Um, so I deliberately this time, obviously I changed the president, you know, for Russia because for all we know, Putin's not going to be president in, you know, X amount of time. Um, and I'm thinking about shelf life. I'm thinking about, you know, how this, you know, with the dates as it was originally when I, and the books actually came out in sequence for the 2018 election. So I was okay. leading up my book, my book, my fourth book, which has an election in it, was for the actual election real time. So it came out the month before and um, the result was announced in my series. And that's the one that's just come out, actually. And so obviously, as soon as you do that, you, you date it, you peg it to something. So it has yeah. a I think the, the draw, say, comment coming back to the pandemic is you put that in a real time event. And, and if the book's out in 15 years, it automatically dates it to 2020. Yep. And then yeah so so that so whereas holding loose some of these things and leaving them out so that the book could exist in yeah. a book written now could exist in 2030 and someone's reading it as if it's present day that's sure. fine so yeah. again I, I think the the more i come across these moments i think i'll 
go go that route just because I'm you know we, we, I'm I want to do this right. I want to set up for the long the long term, particularly sure. with Conundrum sort of adding their expertise and and to to to, to give them books that, that don't need constant updating every five years to sort of keep it re relevant. Yeah, yeah, uh, I I did the same. Yeah, I did the same exact thing. So uh, the the very first book in my Jack Riley series where uh, Jack is still with Delta, he's in Mosul, Iraq, fighting the good fight. And it is an actual operation that did take place. Mm -hmm. It took place in 2016 and Jack was a part of it. And it's really the only time in the entire series that I have a specific date that isn't an mm -hmm. historical event. Mm -hmm. And I did that on purpose because the book came out in 2020 and he had retired. So there was a four year gap from that mission in 2016 to the book's release. And I'm like, okay, but I'm also thinking how old is Jack? How many years have passed? Mm -hmm. Like where? So now all of the missions that are happening past or post 2016. So in this case, post 2020, when the first book takes place, um, there are no dates. So mm -hmm. it's, are they two weeks after? Are they three weeks yeah. after? Are they four months later? Yeah. So it's like Bond. James Bond has never aged a day in his life, right? Amazing, isn't it? It looks good, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. So it, there's precedent. You don't have to age the character. You can just be very vague. and But the reader expects that now. They're okay with it. You know, yeah. you don't have to age the, the character to the point to where they, they out-age their ability. Because mm -hmm. um, that would be a very awful way to do it in my opinion because then you're like well, no one want, again no one wants to see james born with a zimmer frame you know trying to change no. that <laughs> they don't he, they, you don't need james to be wheeling around an oxygen tank you know it's exactly. like exactly. Yeah. Just, yeah. So I, I completely understand so like grounding it in certain places to where it doesn't really harm the story yeah, yeah sure no problem like i did that as an origin um and then boom done no more aging <laughs> and the only thing i'll ever age is an historical event that has already happened so it, it mm -hmm. it's, it's no big deal um so i mean I don't want to cliche myself to death with you, but influences. So James Bond, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what can no, I say? Well, I'm like, there, there's certain things in certain cultures where it's kind of a given that there was, there had to be some sort of like influence from that. I yeah, have that. I, and I'm, um, I'm To some degree, I think to some degree, I think, I think for me, I've, I think what, what frustrates me with the whole James Bond thing is, is that kind of, the un unreality of it so i don't i i never yeah. i've it's entertaining I've, but it's not like well you know like well for me it's just this you know so i'm more like the jason Bourne over you know so but you know yeah. jason obviously he he you know there will be fights that he won't enter because you know you know is that kind of balance you know the yeah. whole classic james bond i mean I, I think the newer films are a lot more real and with a classic you know you know, 600 men chasing him, shooting, they all miss, he fires one bullet and it blows something up. It's just unrealistic, you know? It's this kind of, you know, it, particularly if they're meant to be like, you know, high high trained milit militants yeah. or, you know, you know. so I, I think the, and and obviously as a writer, that creates its own problem. If like I, so on, on a really key book, well, you know, later on in the Hunt series, the, it also will come out with Conundrum, I think later this year. Um, it's, they're, they're all out by February anyway. All nine are out by Feb, so, so it is okay. So maybe it comes out in January. But um, and it's this. It's called the Black Dolphin. So it's a real place, fascinating prison. It's the it's the most high secure prison in Russia. And okay. and all the uh, and my my editor kept like commenting like, oh, surely this doesn't happen. But you know, I've, through research, you know, 
every practice I talk about is actually what they do. You know, the way the way prisoners are, you know, they're they're blindfolded and bent down with arms behind the back whenever they're moved around the prison, just so that they no no prisoner gets an orientation off the prison. That you know, it's never been an escape. It's like impossible to escape from. And really, in, in the in the book, there's there's a character, one of the beloved main characters. No spoilers, but he's. He, he, they, he, I can say he, there's it's only 50-50 chance. Um, so he's in this prison and and kind of, you know, like shouldn't doesn't need to shouldn't be there. And how so it's like this, I have this quandary, you know, how prison's either like impossible to escape from or it isn't. You can you can't like yeah, so you know, either this either they can rescue this guy and become the heroes, but then the prison's not as impenetrable as you make out, or they can't. So, I, so for me, that's, you know, so this was my James Bond yeah. moment. Like, well, I, you know, this isn't gonna be one of those moments where everyone else has failed and they, they get it right. You know, so how do I create a genuine, a genuine situation? And, um, and you know, the solution came to me, I actually needed to write a book before that. So this should have been book seven in the series. It's the one that kind of most people want the answer for. But I made it book eight because I created a solution in book seven, which then became the, the solution in book eight. Gotcha. Oh, that was actually very smart to do. Um, yeah. And, and, it, and, it, and it held. And for me, then it, it keeps me true to how I want to write is write realistic and believable, create genuine moments of absolute tension, which is, you know, I'm not one way or the other with the series. Obviously, I'm an English writer. Is that my five? But you know they're not. You know they don't succeed at everything they do. You know there's yeah. there's setbacks. Obviously, I'm not fully pro Russia in the sense of you know they can't do any wrong. You know there's this, it's a you know but you create these conflict, these moments, these characters where um, because you've crafted it and you've led things that far, they're like genuine opposites. You know, and, and as a, for the reader, I think it creates more uh, surprise, more anticipation because they don't quite know. And particularly those that have come on me with the journey, I'm not afraid to take out characters. <laughs> so, sure. so really, really, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee, and I think that just adds to it. Um, I like, you know, I've I've watched, I think, all the James Bonds. I've, I haven't read, so I'm for me, my entry to James Bond was through movies. Same. And so, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not watch for the sake of you know that element, but um, but I think I definitely appreciate when. Uh, there's a bit more up for grabs when you yeah. you aren't quite sure, you know. And I think for me that adds. So that I try and write that. I try and that. that so these are the kind of movies, the kind of things I'm into. Um, and yeah, what else? What else can you kind of dive into? Like I always tell people, mine are the very uber generic action adventure films, the Indiana Joneses, uh, you know, <laughs> The Mummy, 1999, National Treasure, you know, Goonies, okay. you know, uh, and then the video games of Uncharted and Tomb Raider uh like in in the movies too just because they're actually they're adventure romps um i don't mm. know i don't i don't have to love perfect movies i can love movies that need some work but uh yeah. i but that's where the influence comes from is i can see it and that's how i became a writer is i'm yeah. watching these movies going god i thought i think i could do better like being cheeky and then my, my wife was like well then do it i'm like what do you mean <laughs> she goes write a book and i'm like okay <laughs> and then I literally started Googling, like, I don't know how to like physically write a book, like formatting mm. and like, like, I don't have an education in this. So it's like, I'm like, okay, let's, 
get started. <laughs> and then, you know, so it was kind of one of those things where it's like picking apart the movie as far as the, 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 the fan kind of drove me to writing because I'm like, well, I'm not in Hollywood. So I need a way to even step foot into this world uh, mm. where maybe I'll get taken seriously. And mm -hmm. uh, here we are. And it, that was, that's where it came from was, you know, there were just some hokey scenes in what could have been an amazing movie and me going, wow, I, I would have done this, this, and this different just at, from a fan's perspective, this is what I wish mm. they would have done. And mm. I said to hell with it. I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's, I mean, and you're a lot closer to Hollywood than I am. I, I sometimes feel in the middle of nowhere. That's one of my drawbacks. So yeah, I have been in the Hollywood film. So well, uh, I have not. <laughs> it counts as a Hollywood film. So Tenet, you know Tenet? So Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love his film. Well, I love most of his films. So they, they filmed it in Talent. So I got to be an extra. Oh, and cool. I actually appeared on screen in the in the opening. If you, have you seen the film? Do, do you... I've seen it once. So yeah, I'm not so very, overly opening, familiar. opening scene when they terrorists take over the concert hall and, okay. and all the audience are put to sleep. So I'm, I'm there. I'm on screen about five minutes, 23 in or something, sleeping. So... Amazing. <laughs> my, so you, my, you really you got to show off your acting chops, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> how well yeah. can you lay still? <laughs> exactly. I was I was born for it. But um, <laughs> so, I, so in terms of influences, I think I think definitely thrillers with a with a like. So I would say my writing style is like is deep thrillers. So I, I like write you know things that have a lot of depth. So you can I, I tried it. So I tried my, my very first um, book called Cherry Picking, my debut novel, and I was trying to do a book version of like The Sixth Sense. Okay. So in, in, in not not um, that storyline, but in the sense of that's a movie that you the first time you watch it and then you hit the the you know I won't do it no spoilers, but most most people have probably seen it. But you hit that moment where like you get it right, yeah. and then of course when, when you watch it again, it's a totally different film because you, you then see it's all there and you never realised it. So I I kind of wondered you know I tried that with cherry picking, um, and for those that stuck with it, they loved it. They love they loved the twist. So I think that kind of a lot of my most loyal fans came to me through that first book. And, and it was, you know, back in the day, I wasn't on the golden wave of like early Amazon Kindle adopters, but I was, you know, early enough that the, the promotion still worked. And sure, so I, yeah. it got, yeah, it got a lot of like downloads and things like that and did well. And, and so a lot of readers came to me through that. It was at the time, a terrible cover. Yeah. But, you know, wasn't, fully edited to the standard or anywhere near the standard it should have been or, or, or what i do now but people love the story um apart from those that switched off early so it was like you know i i'm a big sports fan and you know i think of some of the great great games whatever sport you play you know there's always these iconic matches that you know at half time it looked completely down and then something changed and and if you spoke to someone who left at half time, they would just say it's a terrible match. And and if yeah. you spoke to someone at full time, they, they would have a completely different view because they'd stuck it out. And and I think so all my all the negative reviews for that first book were and they even said it, you know, I I, got, I gave up after 30%, you know, and because like, I hadn't got to the point. And yeah. so obviously all my all my later books I started a lot earlier. And actually this book in question is going to be published with Conundrum in April next year. Okay. So when I, when I hit January, I'm, I'm going to have to go into it for the first sure. time in a long time. Obviously, it's the first book I've written. I've written 23 since. Nice. 
nice. uh, and a screenplay. I've, again, we can touch on that in a moment. I've started writing screenplays, okay. which is cool. also good. Um, so what will be really interesting for me in January is going back into this book is, well, like, what do I do with it? Because, <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. do, I, do I do I move that key moment, which which happens in chapter 16, so probably about that 40% mark, do I do I move that forward? But then kind of like the sixth sense, if we if we if we have that scene where he realizes it right early on, well, is it a different movie? It kind of is. But it like yeah, so I will I'm I'm deliberately not going to look at it till January. I'll I'll like you know, I'm just writing new stuff at the moment. But it, it's gonna be an interesting thing of what I do with it, how I I think. I don't think I'll change it hugely. I'll just bring this writing up to standard and what I do. Sure. Cut it back yeah. a bit. It's, and it's funny you say that because the one thing that I was taught early on, I've been doing this for about eight years now. And the, the one thing that I was taught early on from some of my early uh, author friends and mentors, um, the King Gilmores of the world, uh, Sean Ellis, Jeremy Robinson, Kent Holloway, like some of these guys, I did beta reading for Jeremy Robinson for like two years before I started writing. So, mm -hmm. um, and I would always bounce ideas off of him. And especially when I was first starting these, these guys, these relationships, uh, they were very willing to look at my early work and even just the beginnings, just to see what I was trying to do. And mm -hmm. the one thing I was taught very early on. And the one thing that I'm, what I believe is very good at is the hook. So, the one thing that all the James Bond movies, for instance, all of the action adventure movies that I watch have is the opening scene leans you in deeper because, mm -hmm. I mean, that's what James is built on, right? They have that massive opening number and then the song comes in and then the movie starts. Mm -hmm. And it's like that big opening number is kind of like their MO, you know, yeah. that's like what they do. And that's what I do is... That opening number for me is what's going to keep the reader there until whatever is developed. Yeah. And that is the one thing that I can give if anyone's looking for advice that's watching this is that opening number needs to be Bond-esque, needs to be Indiana Jones-esque to where, or modern Uncharted-esque, uh, where you're watching it going, holy crap. Yeah. It may not even have anything to do with the actual story, but it's mm -hmm. the introduction of the character and the introduction of the uh the theme of the book is it yeah. fast paced is it action packed i mean that's what i write so people that write a little bit more of those slow burn or maybe yeah. even more horror maybe it's disgusting maybe it's horrifying maybe it's like oh my god this is awful but mm -hmm. people that read that genre want that so they're going to be like perfect <laughs> this is awesome mm -hmm. i don't read that so i don't want that so yeah. it's like that's that's that hook at the beginning no matter what it is is so important and mm -hmm. I put a lot of effort into that hook because I know it's like if you start kind of flat with just these introductions, readers might think that's the way it's going to be yeah. to uh, the last page. Yeah. And it can be the greatest book in the world. But if it doesn't like. Of course. Yeah. Which is. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's an, it, it, it happens. I mean, what, I, I, I I just re remembering I th what I think I'll do for this book in question is I'll probably actually just add like a new little section in that like yeah like a sort of almost I mean it'll be chapter one I won't call it the the pre prologue you know because people often read over that and don't even jump to chapter one I hear apparently so just make it chapter one but yeah. probably talking about like yeah like placing place you know talking you know talking about this character you know he might never you know like I, I think I'm going to do something new. 
but True. that just really builds up and like and basically you know in, in not using those words says you know there's a lot to come you know like you know wait you know wait till you wait till you yeah. you, you see the reveal so no that's think, um, yeah 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 so, whether it's like this drastic theft of a weapon that is going to come back in but at least it's kind of like that little sneak peek on what to come yeah you know yeah. 10 15 no, a, chapters later yeah so it's know. yeah so i mean it's lots of influence, influences i think for example like when lost came out i mean i mm -hmm. i was i'm the age that you know watch it uh, you know video i uh, had to get it video because i think it switched to a cable channel maybe season three or something so and watched it with our friends um i thought that was fascinating i thought like maybe they botched the, the season six a little bit and think you know but um I, you know things like that things that just that multi-level like, you know that's that's my kind of that's not my street um, a little bit I, more psychological thriller a little bit more yeah and, and know, yeah i think I, I i like i like a wide cast generally i always write third person so i, I i've never done certainly in the series i don't do like first person kind of i have one know, series that's first person present yeah. And I've gotten more compliments on that character than any other character I've ever written. So, yeah, no, I mean, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not to do it. Actually, it, it's it's fun. It's just very, yeah. very different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very it's fun. fun. Because yeah, you no, can do I, just about anything writing first person present because the whole idea is that the reader, and in this case, the author only knows as much as the character does. Yeah. Because you don't have the narrator telling everybody what's happening. No, yeah, which no. can't see it or he doesn't know it. Which, yeah, which is it why doesn't it, happen. for me, I would have to, I think, I think the idea, obviously my, my ideas are always, uh, my stories are always idea driven. So once I get the kind of the, it's usually the, the question I, you know, I usually say, uh, so I wrote, I wrote a dystopian um, at the, the end of the first month of lockdown um up to that point um i i always write i write at home my you know family that they, they get they're at school and um, so i have the house to myself and and i always thought i only write in silence i only write you know i don't have music on i just i just need to be here and this first month of lockdown uh, my wife's a teacher so she's in one room doing online for her whole class my two daughters are doing online the whole house is in chaos yeah. i wrote this book in 10 days and uh it was like a runaway success <laughs> like a dystopian thriller called the 26th protocol and, and really the premise and and it's the, the hook on the back it's like you know what if life had to use by date so it's this idea that we sure. it's a future society where because because of advances in, in medicine and and genetics and understanding of that from birth it's possible to know how long everybody will live and and, and when they're going to decline and it's a society built around um like enjoying that last year before decline and then voluntary euthanasia <laughs> so like they want to they want to sanitize death they, they want to control it they don't want you know the cost of old age you know and it's this whole system of and you know and you see it in school you know so that they, they, they they're dated they're, they're it's printed on their head and their forehead every baby from birth once they've DNA checked they they know the date that they go in. They, they enter this jubilee year, this this abundant year where they get you know all this resource and basically the money that the state isn't paying to fund old age is given to the the healthy in their last year, and it's this whole year. So it's a whole system. Yeah. Interesting. A very different book, um, but like kind of works on lots of different levels. So it fits my criteria, but really came out from this idea: what if life had a use by date? You know, um, wow. 
and it's yeah it was a yeah so I, you know I, I took my thriller brain and kind of wrote yeah. this dystopian thriller uh, so for some some you know so the only negative some you know they oh, it ends too quickly because of for me you know I, I try and land a book at eighty thousand words and you know it's the thriller kind of feel so so possibly you know uh, a pure I don't know dystopian writer might have you know any um just curious just because uh any uh influence from logan's run so pe people can so in the not comments, in a bad way it's just it, it's an interesting concept that logan's I've run is I've never seen it. I, and you know funny you mentioned it I've, I've only i only heard about that because i kept getting these constant comments on the <laughs> so it's, it's the one book i, I ran <laughs> on. people say oh so not logan's run then and i looked up yeah. the you know the description and it's you know I haven't I haven't watched it so sure. I, but reading up the IMBD and all that about it's, uh it, Michael Caine very, I think right very different feels feels very different um I think, I think it was Michael Caine yeah Kane. very different idea because I think yeah. wasn't there something about you know they they hit a certain age or they're all I don't know I, I'm not sure I think they're yeah. all I think they're all 30 yeah so I, I guess I, so that's a bit something, like in, yeah in, yeah in time they're all 25 as well hey, so people are different ages so some you know some their, yeah. their jubilee year doesn't start to the 85 you know particularly sure. if they're wealthy some you know they only get given 50 years or something you know so it's 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 all it's all based on no so but it's funny yeah it's funny people have made a comparison i think what a lot of people were starting to do was like compare it to like a modern day uh, handmaid's tale modern day 1984 um gotcha. in terms of the spirit does so though having a, 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 again recently I, I i read 1984 for the first time and really it's like you know you know, I, I I wasn't so impressed with the ending just because I thought, well, you know, if a, if a, if a, as an author, I just want to create a really bad world. Well, we I could do that. I think it's kind of cleverer to kind of bring some sort of solution, some sort of hope. I, I get sure. what you know, Orwell yeah. was trying to do and trying to you know show you the dangers of communism and all that. And but it was kind of, it, you know, it just paints a very bleak picture. It doesn't get. <laughs> Uh, that is probably a, a, a pleasant way of putting it for 1984. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is uh, that is like horrific in 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 that sense. That's like uh, when I was younger. There's uh, I didn't read I didn't read very much at all when I was younger. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly because I was reading the wrong things. So it was like attention wise, there was just nothing that I found when I was a kid um, between grade school and high school um, mm -hmm. that I was overly like. Uh, um, interested in but there were a few of them and one of them was uh this uh american literature uh, where the red fern grows and it's like a southern uh kind of like a plantation family type of thing but it revolved around a kid and his two coon dogs uh, uh big dan and little ann mm -hmm. and i'm a little boy who loves dogs so mm -hmm. i'm like oh this might be fun to read and the dogs get slaughtered by a mountain lion near the end and but it there the meaning behind the story was very deep and very rich and very mm -hmm. like heartwarming but i'm like one dog gets its intestines ripped out by a mountain lion the other dog dies of loneliness and i'm like i freaking hate this book yeah. <laughs> like, why did i read this you know <laughs> and i'm like okay well i'm not reading any literature anymore because this is like heartbreaking yeah. And then uh, I actually stumbled upon the uh, Meg series from Steve Alton uh, when I was a junior in high school. And uh, it's New York Times bestseller. There's there's movie. There's a second movie coming out. Uh, first time I had ever heard of a Kacharodon Megalodon, you know, mm. massive, you know, great white shark. And I'm like, 
this might be fun. This might be cool. And then lo and behold, I start reading more and uh, then stumble upon my favorite authors, which are the Matthew Riley's of the world. And, you know, Jeremy Robinson has always been a big influence. And I read his stuff before I, like I said, before I became a writer and, you know, uh, James Rollins with the Sigma Force stuff, uh, even into some of the young adult stuff with Rick Riordan. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's funny how once you f figure out the genre that you belong in as a reader, um, mm. you really start to see the world and you start to see like the, 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 the options and then, mm. um, translates into a writer. Once you realize the genre you belong in or the genre that you're comfortable in, uh, mm. you really, you also realize those possibilities. And, um, like yeah. I've strayed and I've done like the first person series that I do is, a uh, apocalyptic monster book. And, um, but it's very different than ever. Cause I wanted it to be different. I didn't want it to be your typical, Oh, zombie apocalypse. There's 900,000 of those available right now. Cause that was like walking dead at its peak is when I started writing this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, it's more, it's character driven. Uh, all my mm -hmm. stories, if the character isn't a big part of the story and it revolves around something else, I have no interest in it. Um, mm -hmm. that's just, <coughs> excuse me, my style. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, so uh, we know the influences and it's it's actually really interesting to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm really I'm actually really, really, uh, 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 I guess you'd say both impressed and just kind of like, oh, kind of kind of interested. And but what I what I also really like to find out is um, especially the reader. I know they like this. So as the movie fanatic growing up, the one thing that I was in love with was watching the behind the scenes making of those movies. Like for me, I could watch the making of the of the first Indiana Jones, the three movies, over and over again. The mm -hmm. how the making parts and seeing Harrison backstage putting the hat on or getting fit for his jacket and mm -hmm. seeing Stephen and George behind the lens talking. And it's like to me that was cool. That was amazing. I loved it. And that's the whole point of this podcast. But I also like to know the process of it. So in this case, writing the book. Mm -hmm. um, when you come up with a story or maybe the, just the, the tiniest idea of a story, like I'm very visual. So I see something, I see a fjord. I automatically want to write about something in Norway. I see, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a monastery. I automatically want to write about something maybe in Nepal or, or, or Tibet. And mm -hmm. there's like, so I'm like, well, what can I drop in that location? So for me, location right. usually drives the possibility of the story. Cause then I'll start Googling like mythology and lore, on that specific area. And then maybe I'll stumble upon something going, I could see Jack getting into a whole bunch of trouble looking for something in this area. So mm -hmm. here we are. Um, I don't know what it looks like for you. Um, and just like, so when you see something, is it like, maybe, maybe not this, Oh, the character, this, like, what is it kind of, what is the process going through your head? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it does. It's in the early days. It was like kind of, I mean, so for my debut, you know, when I think the first few, it was so, so Stephen King on his book on writing like describes it as this I think it's the ship coming through a fog you know you, you suddenly see you know this whole and actually it kind of yeah this for, for the first book having written before but never finished anything um you know I had the the the, the title the premise the beginning the end you know the, the you know it just all was there dropped in um and that for the first few that sort of was there um and yeah, there's often you know early mornings you wake up, get an idea in the night, and like you know it's it's pretty pretty much there. So it, it, it's combo combo between that kind of that 
that that what if question so you know for the 26 protocol i mentioned earlier that dystopia you know well, what if life had a use by day and 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 out of a little phrase like that i can and i you know it's like the the, the it's a thing that just hooks on and then suddenly thoughts come around it and you just you know a world develops um i had my birthday last the other week last week and out out at a restaurant with my family and then like just sort of use the restroom and just and, and as i was thinking there you know coming out i thought well what, what if i came out and they weren't here and then actually they're, they're, they're nowhere in the city and actually they've they've the house we live in was you know like so so i actually had this yeah. idea that just came out of a real life situation of like again the thought was there like well what would i do and then that, so they they i told them the whole idea um and they're like you've got to write that one next you've got to write that one so we'll see it wasn't in my plan to write it next um i will so so what, what so yeah what i would do because it comes on to your question as well so when i get an idea like that i have a ipad full of you know lots of ideas sure. um so i I do let let them percolate for a bit, you know. Let the ones that you know, ones that resonate, will come to the top, um, and then we'll yeah, we'll definitely plan. So I I I know some authors. So I originally before my debut one, I would start a story. So I guess describe it as a uh, as a pantser, isn't it? Yeah. So you know, writing about the you know, just seeing how it goes. And for me. That was that's that that approach stopped me becoming a writer because I I I, I you know it's, it's like setting off on a fun car journey. I was lots of fun, but I got really lost. <laughs> no clue. Yeah. Um, and, then, yeah. and then when I when I with, with that you know that that first idea dropping in for that debut novel and and everything since, as soon as I had to start finish, it's like you have a route map. You know, you know, mm. you, you, and yes, you have to flesh it out, but suddenly you have got these like. You know, it's like plotting a, plotting a journey across America, and now you know, well, you know, these are the these are the main ports of call. Yes, there's there's going to be, you know, the writing process will develop those little journeys, and but like you know, the ultimate destination, you know, um, what has to happen, and so really that's been my approach since. So I plan, um, so I, you know, I, it's not a it's not a uh, like a you know thirty thousand word thing or anything. You know, I I, I will look at each team and in a couple of sentences two three sentences so you know 20 to 50 words um, probably for about 40 40 scenes ish you know if, if i get 35 that's fine because then you know there's always a bit of wiggle room um i will map out using scrivener so on my on my mac i will map out on, on the cork board and just um give myself uh, these 40 scenes you know knowing that each scene is about 2,000 words i work to the 80,000 word target you know so it's there and thereabouts and i know that's enough time to sort of land a novel um and and yeah so you know we'll map it out from that um also planning planning will involve character names you know usually random randomly generated an outline so that when i come to that first day of writing i again i do it in sequences so I, I don't i don't write little every day i'm either planning or i'm writing and when i write i'll write through the whole day so today was a a writing day i've topped nine thousand words um oh, nice. and so i will yeah i will do that and then then have my paper when i'm writing and writing's just about the writing so don't don't read it through don't edit it it's obviously full of mistakes i, I try and write fast uh, generally, I try and do in ten days, get the thing down, um, and um, and I think yeah, and a latest development. So the book I'm writing today is actually the book version of the screen of my first screenplay. So I, I 
so that's again it's uh, it's another take and i think it's an approach i, I really like because i like like you i'm a, I'm a visual thinker and I've wanted to write a screenplay for a while. I want to write movies. Uh, I want my books to become movies. So ultimately, I want to adjust screenplays from the books I've already written. But the screenplay rate was for a brand new idea, just because I thought, let's give myself the best opportunity to learn it before oh, I'm yeah. trying to write yeah. a book. Um, and then I thought, well, I'm, you know, having written a screenplay, let's write the book version of that and then use the use the process of having written a book to then go back and sharpen the screenplay. And I quite like that approach because because obviously the screenplay, it's it, it's a different approach. Uh, you have to write a lot less detail, mm -hmm. uh, but you have all the dialogue. And often if I'm writing, well, the dialogue can be the thing. So actually if I've already got the dialogue written in the screenplay, it's quite good to then flip between the, the two. So, um, it, so yeah, when I finish this book, it's looking like it's going to be less. I mean, I'm, I'm at, yeah, I think I'm way over halfway through and I'm at 37,000 words after five days. So I'm, I'm guessing it's going to land around a 60 mark, which is not surprising because I'm basing it quite a bit on the screenplay, which is only 120 pages and <laughs> minimal. Yeah, detail. yeah. Um, so you're you're extending something that you didn't intend to extend. Yes, yeah, so, but so we'll so, see. But I mean, yeah, I can see that being yeah, a little bit. Of a... We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, it, it might be a bit. You know, you know, it might it might be a bit longer than that by the time I finish it. But yeah, um, I mean, as, as much as readers want long in, you know, they, they want like bulk, um, they don't want fat. So it's like yeah. they, they want, they want, they want the meat. They want the muscle. They, 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 yeah. if it's 70,000 words and it's great, or yeah. if it's 90,000 words and it has 20,000 words of fat, yeah. it's, it's like, yeah, okay. The 90,000 word book has more maybe detail or more substance, but was yeah. it a better book because it was longer? Yeah. Add to it. Exactly. No, exactly. We'll see. So, we'll see. I mean, before yeah. It, yeah, before it even yeah it gets becomes published, it'll, you know it'll go through the street team and all that, and you know, and, um, so I, I will I will have those feelers out before long before then. But um, yeah. but but going forward, I, I do wonder if if for all new my new ideas, where I, well I I try and do that double act, so screenplay straight to the novel, back to the screenplay, knowing that at each stage it's it's sharpening, strengthening the other version. And then in theory, I go through a writing phase. You know, that might be a month's worth of writing if, say, I get the screenplay done in you know, 10 days, the book in another 10, and then, re, you know, 10 days of redoing it. So then, you know, I end. I come out of that phase, that month, that process, with two versions of the same work. Um, both, yeah, obviously the book version will go down the publishing route. And actually the screenplay, it feels like it's easy to get in front of the key people because... There's all these con contests and stuff you can enter where you know actual movie directors um, of, of movies that you know I, I like and watch. They're they're on the judging panel and you just you know, <laughs> like you can, and you can get feedback and so the feedback I got for this one screenplay was fantastic. So I just need to yeah. So part of part of this process is that, you know I'm going to implement the feedback they gave me to improve it and then and then resubmit it and just see what happens. But so but yeah we'll see. Um, but yeah I, I write standing up. So I, I, I shifted to a, a standing desk about six years ago uh, in a moment of madness, maybe. Uh, it, was a, it was a personal kind of family crisis at the time. My wife, yeah, I was just started chemotherapy and oh, yeah, okay. to, to, to um, pass the time, I decided to convert my desk. <laughs> so so um, and, and yeah, shifted to it and and. Yeah, so I'm on my feet, but I think that it's definitely not slowed me down. I've I've improved, sped up. Um, 
and obviously it's healthier for me um but it's yeah this thing about being on your feet you know if you're if you're on your feet you don't want to waste waste time sure yeah <laughs> so, um, I, I can i can see its advantages because you're you're probably less likely to be comfortable so you're less you're less likely to be lax yeah. um you're going to be probably more active in what you're doing because you're just naturally yeah. more active when you're doing on your feet for like now, for example, there's, there's moments. So if, if I'm like thinking dialogue, I, I'll, I'll often just move around. I'll actually almost have that conversational or just thinking it through, like moving. Gotcha. And, and through that movement, you just sort of, you're in the situation, you're you're taking in what they're seeing, what they're feeling. And then, yeah, I do that a lot with that. I'll spin around in my chair and just stare at it. Yeah, yeah. I used to have a map. Yeah. Before yeah. we got this tiny portrait, I used yeah. to have a map on the wall. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted something that fit the decor. Like this entire room, color wise, is all that, you know, terracotta, earthy, uh, mm -hmm. Indiana Jones Brown, uh, <laughs> ram cracker, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I, everything's kind of that coloration. And um, it's, it's just kind of, you know, it, it's the world, I guess. It's, it's the world I'm in, anyways. It's mm -hmm. what it, you know, it's just that comforting uh type of it's a great uh, reference point i mean yeah when the map was on the wall i used to, i used to have my desk facing the window so like it was literally just on my left and like just for that quick reference point of like if you're looking at in a particular yeah. city or a country and you need to pick out a city i just I, I just use google maps for now but like still yeah i do too but for me it's more like visual so I'll, like i'll sit there and go well my guys are here but i want them to go there and then yeah. i'll i'll literally just look at it and go well, they probably have to stop there. So I'll literally just see the countries in between. Then I'll get on my computer and just kind yeah. of start. But it, it's more of like that quick glance. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't Absolutely. lose, mostly so I don't lose my train of thought. If I'm on the computer and I'm go, I'm like, there's a million windows open and I'm bound to like lose one of those tiny little aspects of the idea. But um, so what can you tell us about your life outside of writing? Now we talked off camera where, I have no life outside of writing, <laughs> but it's on purpose. It's on purpose. I just enjoy it. Like I, I love doing the podcast now, um, writing full time. I'm editing with Conundrum. Um, I'm helping run that publication. Uh, I also do a lot of graphic design and uh, book covers and stuff. So everything that isn't writing is still in the world of writing. It just doesn't happen to be writing books. So, mm -hmm. and you know, I have two daughters, my wife, you know, dog, cat, like we have a lot to keep us busy. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's plenty of stuff for me outside of this world that isn't necessarily hobby-ish. It's more just like life. So I don't know if you're in the same boat as I am where it's like you just enjoy life outside of work and that's kind of it. Or um, is there more going on behind the scenes that kind of like helps, I guess, get your mind off of work occasionally? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, so I... So I have the office uh, spare room at home, and and we have we have two cats, but you know the, the door stays closed. So and partly because it's a guest room, so that you know if guests ever come, you know there's that space. But generally, it's just me here, and made a choice to just to keep it a work zone. So I mean, it does mean when I you know shut the door, go out rest of the apartment, um, I'm home, and they they know not to disturb me in here. Um, and yeah, you know, two cats are a year old, so that's been a great lot of fun this last year. Um, they're both, yeah, two daughters. So I'm at, I'm at the stage where my, my, my oldest turned 17 uh, this week, and my youngest is 12 and a half. So you know, getting to a point where they're more independent anyway. Yep. I, you know, and and being in Estonia has been amazing. So 
children are very, very independent here. So, uh, like, school starts, normal school starts on the 1st of September in, in this part of the world. It's, a, you know, one thing we learnt in Russia, it's a big, it's, it's, it's study day. You know, it's always, everything starts on the 1st, even if it's a Sunday. That's really, so. Interesting. A, you know, yeah, we started August 10th, I think. Yeah, but it's always always 1st of September in the normal state schools. And, um, sure. And so in Estonia, so you'll, you'll get kids who are, you know, just start, they start school at seven here. So you, before that, it's kindergarten. But they'll, they'll be yeah, expected to get themselves to and from school on buses, you know, then pretty much straight away, straight away. So um, we, I think we, being foreign, uh, I think we, you know, for the first year, we would often take our, our oldest when, when, when she was starting here. But, you know, they, but, you know, you, you see it. Uh, they're a lot more responsible and they're a bit older. So now they're at this age, in, in that sense, we're not having to run them around and, and stuff. They, they're they doing their own thing. So and we, so we did, so trying to get time as a family is a thing we try and do outside, um, becoming increasingly uh, more challenging. Uh, I do try and play some sports. So I play uh, at school that my wife works at and with the staff on a Friday. So that's looking forward to that starting up this week as well um volleyball if i can um just yeah today i applied to join this group that they play volleyball regularly just because i think the challenge is um uh, being this far north is you know winters are long and dark and cold and snowy and it and it's it's so it's yeah. hard to do you know any like stuff outside um mm -hmm. so so you know with winter in mind that you're thinking okay you know what you know what gets me active i do like i enjoy team, team sports and things like that um i always enjoy reading and we lots, watch a lot of movies we have sub subscription service so we you know often watch definitely on a friday night saturday night watch movies um reading read john grisham so john grisham's my my gate author now so i grew up with with jack higgins but john grisham is i got i guess an author i would aspire to be like so we don't, don't write. I don't write legal thrillers, but I just I like his books and like his sure. style. And if I can be half as good, I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that's me with like Matthew Riley and those types of guys. Uh, James Rollins is probably like. Well, I mean, Matthew Riley's huge. I mean, he just he just directed and wrote his first movie. Um, it's called Interceptor. Uh, so uh, it uh, stars uh, uh, what Elsa Pataki. Uh, uh, Pataki. It's uh, Chris Hemsworth's wife. So, um, and she, she's a great actress. And, uh, so that would be an amazing writer to aspire to. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and then James Rollins with, uh, him basically being the number one action thriller author in the world when it comes to mm -hmm. overall book sales and you know, whatever rankings you want to use. But, um, very good. Very good. Yeah. I used to play a lot of softball. Uh, I had uh, buddies that we would get together and play. And then just as the body got balkier and balkier over the years, I would always find myself hurting and doing something and going, this isn't fun anymore. I'm always, oh, yeah. I'm always hurt. I'm like, and then I'm like, now I don't want to do anything when I get home. My kids want to play and my back's killing me. And I'm kind of like, I need to take it easy a little bit. Uh, I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm 38. So, but the, the body, the body is not what it used to be. <laughs> and, uh, but various injuries too. It wasn't, it's not just any age related. It's, it's beating yeah. myself up over the years and it's catching up with me finally. But, yeah. Um, it happens yeah. so, oh, it does. It absolutely does. And I'm, I'm taller and skinny. So, uh, the, uh, the joints and like the spine, uh, don't have a lot of help from excess muscle. 
So uh, I, uh, I probably just racked my body to where now I'm not as flexible and I don't bounce as well as I used to. So now when I do something, my body's like, no, uh, you're... <laughs> no, stop. Where before I'd be like, eh, in a day or two, I'd be fine. Now it's like a week or two and I'm fine. <laughs> but um, so to uh, kind of uh, more or less finish up, I mean, it, it's time has flown. We've been here for over an hour. Uh, I've been having a great talk with you, Tim. I really do appreciate you coming on. Um, the one thing I want to end with is, um, for the viewers, for the listeners, um, if there is a book out there that's of yours, that would be like, this is a Tim Heath book. You guys need to check it out. If you haven't read my stuff yet, um, where would you point them towards? Yeah, so I, I would I would start yes point them to the the first book in the Hunt series, The Prey. Um, yep. It's obviously each book is like a standalone, so you know it's but it's but it's clearly linked in the series and and events go on and to get a real feel for the world I've lived in, this part of the world and the way I write and and uh, it's a real taster for you know the other material that will be coming out with Conundrum. Um, sure. very soon as well so I, I would i would say that's a great it's a great start um cool. you know it's it's obviously it's been redone so it's 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 up, up there with you know my my latest standard of writing and and the expertise of conundrum so yeah it's, it's a cool series um cool. yeah and I, I would love to hear from readers i have this i have a reader map so you know readers have been all around the world and so you know if you read it read one, one of my books let me know and yeah, i'll put a the town where you are and you can see yourself on the map so um and that's been really fun to you know i think you know hawaii you know all over in lots of the states not every state yet so there's still lots of states missing so do do let me know but um yeah i think i would say the prey for for, for, for my books um but okay. really any book you can pick up and enjoy that's that's the aim cool. and um what about uh something that isn't yours so whether it's yeah. a john grisham novel whether it's another novel in more of your genre um you know, I always tell people pick up uh, uh, Pulse from Jeremy Robinson. It's the first book in his Jack Ziegler series, which was a big influence on me. Uh, pick up the Seven Ancient Wonders uh, or Seven Deadly Wonders, depending on what country you're in. It changed titles by uh, Matthew Riley, the first book in the Jack West Jr. series. Um, both authors yeah. and series were massive, massive influences for me. Um, yeah. I always drive people towards those. And once they read them, they'll go, oh, I see where Matt's coming from. Um, mm. Uh, but what about you? Yeah. For me, yes, I, I guess I'll, I'll pick one of each from the two authors I mentioned earlier. So uh, Jack Higgins, this Irish writer, you, you sort of, yeah, The Eagle Has Landed, that is a, is a movie. That was my, I think my favourite one of him, this this kind of Second World War plot to assassinate the British Prime Minister uh, by the Nazis landing in, in, in the UK. He says based around real-life events, but, you know, I still wonder if that was literally him being the author in the opening chapter, not not himself, you know, so making adding to the story. Right. And, and for John Grisham, um, the Runaway, Runaway Jury is yep. my favourite book of his. Um, okay. And again, it is a movie, but they they changed it slightly in terms of I think it, instead of cigarettes, it was guns or something. But like it was, you know, one of these big issues um, right. in America, and and very fun book. Um, yeah, and, and I really enjoyed it. And, and for me, that was my go-to one. So when I got my first one star review. It it took me on a journey and I looked at the runway jury. Um I looked at the one star reviews for that. And, and, he, and it just it just showed me that 
people really don't know what they mean. <laughs> it's like, oh, or, you know, yeah. or like, you can't read a lot into a review because, you know, I know that book was great and I looked at the ones I reviewed and, and it, it would imply that it was like his worst day ever. You know, and you think, well, sometimes reviews can be, um, maybe there's a different agenda going on. <laughs> so, yeah. I've yeah. done that before where I used to, I used to, uh, I used to look at all the reviews because when I was young, well in writing. So when I was a younger writer, um, I really wanted and truthfully wanted to know what people thought of my work mm. because that would help me grow. I wanted to see if there was a commonality to a problem I had. So mm -hmm. is it, uh, oh, it, uh, the character was unbelievable or it was too hokey or the action was so over the top, it was unbelievable. So maybe I need to like rein in certain things. I need to, it's kind of like, a, like um, when you're adjusting the EQ in music and you have the bass high, the treble high, the mids low, and you're like doing this, you're like, I want to try to equalize everything. Mm -hmm. And then as time went by and the glowing reviews came in and all the glowing reviews complemented everything that I thought I was already doing. Yeah, I just stopped looking at anything. Honestly, I stopped looking at anything was a neg any kind of negative review mm. because it's kind of like a movie rating system, right? You don't know what their baseline is. So mm. it's like, what is their baseline? Is their baseline three is good, four yeah. is better, five is great, or is it four is good, five is like you don't un you don't know, oh, and you're like, yeah, and and like you said, the hidden agenda. Maybe they just don't like action yeah. adventure novels i'm like well, then why did you buy my book you know it's like yeah. i i'm very very clear on on what style of book this is when i publish um yeah. but I, same thing it's like uh, for a while i cared now i'm i'm ecstatic and i'm very happy that i see the amount of reviews that do come in nowadays but um well done <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, it, it, it's 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 more of they do matter and they do matter when it comes to algorithms and coding uh, on Amazon side. So please send in your reviews. Um, but at the same time, it's like I don't rely on them uh, as far as like uh, confidence. Yeah, no, no, no. You, yeah, yeah you just definitely get I'm yeah. Like my, my Frank Moon character I to see reviews regardless, yeah. and because yeah. I, I know I'm a numbers person, so when the when that magic number changes, and yeah. part of us, I don't know, people just aren't reviewing as much as they used to do, and, sure. and it, generally the negative people review almost every time, and the positive re re reviewers are doing it a lot less. No, yeah, um, I've, so, I've seen but, that. Um, I've seen that. Yeah, and, and like like yeah. the Frank Moon character I wrote in my Dead Moon series which conundrum we are republishing uh, in November. Uh, more news on that as time goes. But um, he is a detective with the NYPD. He's been a cop his whole life. And uh, he is uh, just numb to violence. And uh, like, so his humor is very dark and very just like uh, um, relatable, I guess, in that he just doesn't react as awful to certain situations anymore and i had a mm -hmm. five-star review for one of the books and it was a retired police officer's wife and she mm -hmm. goes you nailed my husband to a t he has the most <laughs> dense sense of humor because of yeah. all the terrible stuff he saw as mm -hmm. a cop and she goes the story was amazing but you nailed like the the awful sense of humor that frank has and in mm -hmm. the best way possible because and, and i was like 
oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, that was just, I guess, confirmation bias at this point. But, you know, so, I mean, we do read them and we, we you know, or at least we, we, we do, we do uh, digest them. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, but on that, I, I want to remind the, uh, the viewers and the listeners, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, more subscriptions equals more shows, more likes. Share this all over social media, um, specifically uh, Facebook and Instagram we're on uh, when it comes to real life fiction. Uh, Conundrum Publishing as well, conundrumpub.com. Um, Tim, where can we find you uh, online as far as if readers have a question or just to look up more stuff on you besides the typical Amazon page? Yeah, so it's, uh, timheathbooks.com is my website. Um, and I think either Tim Heath Books or Tim Heath Author is on all, on all social media channels. So I think generally Tim Heath Author, so you'll find me Instagram or Facebook under that. I think Twitter... I don't use as much. That's Tim Heath books, but um, but yeah, there well. is another Tim Heath who writes about Hitler and and Nazis. So I'm not that author. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but so Tim Heath, um, yeah, Tim Heath, yeah, an English author named Matt James who is a horticulturist. So uh, he, he writes about botany and plants. So not me. And uh, yeah. there's also Matt James who happens to be a bachelor from the TV show. Uh, uh, also very much not me. Uh, yeah. Oh, and 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 here in Tallinn, living there is another Tim Heath who is an Australian millionaire, and honestly, been I like I I had uh, I won't name them. I had a you know a global parcel delivery service writing to me to to, to because Tim Heath had had ordered um, a case of gin or something from the UK, and you know and had to had to do custom. You know, I was like. You know, this isn't you know, it's like yeah. I think they, they delivered books to me in the past, so they must have just saw my name and thought oh, it's the same person. Oh, but, that's um, interesting, yeah, it's, it's funny. Yeah. So, of, of, of all because it's obviously not an Estonian name, and uh, we live in Estonia, so it's, it's unusual to have two yeah. of us in one place. So, I've, yeah, ne yeah. I've never met him, but I, I have lots of friends in common who know us both, which is really funny. That's funny, <laughs> that is funny. Wow. So, yeah. uh, Tim, thank you again for coming on. It was a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Uh, check out his Hunt series, uh, publishing through Conundrum Publishing. Uh, you said the rest of the books will be coming out uh, past the first of the year. You said Very soon, yeah. January, February, all that. Um, yeah. And look for his uh, his other releases and his new stuff coming out soon as well. So uh, mm -hmm. thank you, everyone, for watching. Have a good one. And again, I can't thank you enough. And please, please, please subscribe. Thank you.